There's no sign of any fish, and at this depth... <gasps> E-sonar reading! We've six enemies closing fast! Those are torpedoes! Felt! GN field! Maximum output! The torpedoes were carrying a heavy chemical compound! The sonar's being jammed! An enemy that can maneuver at this depth! They have a new model? Hold the enemy ship at the designated point! We're launching something special! Move to the center of the ship! Setsuna! Second wave approaching! Two large torpedoes have been launched! They've broken through the GM field! It's a new weapon! The lower container's flooding! We have to launch the Gundams, but we're still too deep! Stop bringing Ptolemy up! We've got to reach a depth where we can launch! <laughs> Dropping depth charges from above, and more than likely they're using chemical bombs! After two minutes of bombardment, the trilobite will engage at close quarters. It's a pity I won't be able to watch the ship being crushed by the pressure. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Gundam Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I'm speaking to you telepathically through a microphone. I am Tyler. Audience, allow me to transcribe Zach's current look. He looks perplexed. He's trying not to laugh. He takes off his glasses. He turns, bumping the microphone. I thought he was Hands trying back. not to cry. <laughs> God damn it, Tyler. My name is Zach. I was going to say it's been a while since that happened, but it hasn't really been that long. I feel like it was literally last time we recorded. That's why it hasn't been that long. We're watching episode 29 of Gundam Double O today. A reason to fight. It's Sumeragi's thing. It's also Aladdin's thing. And I don't remember how we start these podcasts. Uh, well, well I mean, first, Tyler says something stupid. I can't yes. come up with whatever it was I was going to say. Then you give a summary of the things that have been going on up till now. Then uh, we describe our four fuckboys who might actually be more fuckboys after the time jump than they were before. I really have I we feel- added a fifth fuckboy? I mean, Saji? does Saji count? No. No, no. <laughs> Saji's got a girlfriend. She lives in Canada. You wouldn't know her. <laughs> But now she lives in space. No, she lives in a-holes. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's, a, it's a premium subscription service, don't ask. So yeah, we have four Gundam boys and Asagi Crossroad. Setsuna is now de facto leader of the Gundam boys, and he was like, hey, let's get that fourth Gundam boy out of prison and replace our dead Gundam boy with his brother, who looks just like him. Nobody ask any questions. I'm sure that won't go wrong or cause any like weird conflict for people or anything. Probably not. I mean, he looks just like him, so it's not like you're going to get confused and call him by the wrong name. Also, let's go get our drunk mom and throw her on the ship. Felt you convinced her to join us. You're the emotional one. I still love that scene. I was also going to say they did also make the excellent choice of calling new Lock-On just Lock-On again. So, yeah. So we don't even have to worry about remembering his name. Yeah, there is also that. What would we call him other than Lock-On? Neo Lock-On? 
I mean, yes, he is clearly Neo Lock-On, but I want to call him like... He eventually gets his own catchphrase, and I'm trying to come up with something based on that without spoiling it. Tarjay. I wish I could remember anything about French, because I just had the thought of of calling him Novu Lock-On, but but Lock-On in French. I mean, that's got to be a word in French, right? Like, I was just thinking about him, like, that that seems very American. Pub. They call him Pub, because he's Irish. (laughs) Stout? Gotta have at least two names, because all of them have two names. Hallelujah doesn't. Hallelujah Haptism. Oh, you're right. He does have a last name. He had three. (laughs) Well, that's not the other one was another guy. I wonder where the Haptism name came from. Is that a Veda original? I was actually going to say, uh, so I think we actually get it this episode, because when he's flashing back to uh, finding telepathic Soma, spoilers for about five minutes from now, he says, and that's when she gave me my baptism. And I actually kind of wonder if haptism is just uh, someone forgot how to spell baptism. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, there are also some characters that aren't on Celestial Being, like the ALAWS, the new cool military arm that likes doing mass murders. World's number one dad... Sergei Smirnov. Yeah, he, well, he's Sorry. not in the ALAS. On the other hand, his daughter, Soma Pierce, did join the ALAS because uh, his son, who she didn't know about, showed up and is like, hey, orders from headquarters. We need this Soma Pierce yoink. And he definitely disagrees with the world's number one dad mug that Soma got Sergei. He's like, Sergei's the world's number threeest dad at best. <laughs> no, I don't think he would give him into single digits. I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember exactly when that whole thing comes up. But Next hey, episode. Andre really doesn't like his dad. Yep. Anyone else we're forgetting? Any other factions? Oh, Ribbon's Allmark. He's in a Bond layer, just chilling on his couch. Billy Kataragi still exists. Yeah, he was hanging out with Sumeragi until Setsuna yoinked her, and that made him very upset. Setsuna was like, hey, I need to take my mom back. I'll be taking this. Have fun. Also, she was part of a terrorist faction for, like, four years. She is Terror Mom. She is Terror Mom. Oh, and Luis joined the ALS. I think we said that. I think so, yeah. Saji Crossword is very much saying he did not join Celestial Being. Celestial Being kidnapped Saji. There's also Catheron. They don't like the ALS, but they aren't competent like Celestial Being. They're competent. They're not well-equipped. Yeah, they uh, have two named members, which are Klaus and Shirin. Hey, don't forget forget Gene 1. We already talked about him, though. We sure. did. We just but, didn't call him that. But the thing is, you said they only had two named members. That's fair. Uh, no, Marina Ismail. We haven't talked about Marina Ismail. Oh, yeah. They just rescued her. She's the president of Azadistan, a real country. Princess of Azadistan. What did I say? Prime minister? You said president. <laughs> president. <laughs> Those are all interchangeable, right? They all start with P. They all start with PR. Yeah. She does all the PR for the Middle East. But she was taken to jail for knowing Setsuna in the past. So for they, having Setsuna be near her in the past. <laughs> so they jailbroke her and took her onto their ship, which is also secretly a submarine. It's like the Archangel Light. And I think that's everything you need to know. So we're going to watch <laughs> episode 29, A Reason to Fight. You can watch along on Crunchyroll if you like. Uh, we start off with bright lights and a not at all ominous voice telling us subject E57's quantum brainwave surgery is complete. Now beginning observation. How exactly do they operate for quantum brainwaves? Do they install a box? USB port. It's like the scene in Clockwork Orange, but they just make him watch Quantum of Solace again and again until he (laughs) develops psychic powers to escape. We see young Alleluia, and he hears a voice in his head asking if anyone can hear them. A very feminine voice. 
He helpfully tells us, the audience, there's a voice echoing in my head. As if we and could he's got not the tell. Old, he's got his old style hair, haircut where he's one of his eyes is covered. In a post-surgery bandage. Covering his crazy eye. So he wanders through the halls until he finds some sliding glass doors to see a girl in a tube, like you do. In a glass case, like she's on display. She's going to pilot the outlaw star. And he comes up and like, hey, are you the one talking to me? It's rude to talk in my brain. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, can you hear me? No one else can ever hear me. This well, then is great. She, then she asks where he is. So even though her eyes are open, she apparently can't see. Yeah, and he's like, I'm right in front of you. She's like, sorry, I can't tell. But I'm so happy to talk with you, man. I've been all alone. It's been very lonely and sad. I've been sitting in this box just telepathically projecting. Anyway, my name's Mary. Or Marie. What's your name? And he's like, oh, man. I, I don't can't remember. I'm a sad orphan boy. And then we cut out to some scientists watching them talk. <laughs> Th- this guy on the right totally ships them, even though they're way too young for that. <laughs> so Mari's like, oh, if you can't remember your name, I'll just have to give you one. That's what you do with people who don't have names, right? Well, that's I was going to say that's very uh, childhood friend nonsense in anime. It's true. And so she apparently is the one that gives him the name of Alleluia. And he's like, what the hell does that mean? And she's like, thanks, God. <laughs> and he's like, that hurt my brain so much, I developed a split personality that spells it correctly. <laughs> so he asks, why should I thank God? And Marie says, you should thank God for just being alive. So then we flash to the present, and is like, yes, that was my baptism. And that's the cold open for this episode. And he's got his uniform now. But then Hallelujah came over and he's like, H's are cool, so now it's haptism. I want that to be a real thing, but I'm like 99% sure haptism was never a thing. Haptic was. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> no problem. Haptism is a study of haptic feedback, right? So yeah, now we finally have Alleluia's backstory in all the detail we could ever want, right? They left out nothing. Searching haptism, the first eight results are Alleluia. One of those, though, is a dictionary definition, so I'm going to go look at it. Definition of haptism. No results. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dictionary.com. <laughs> So after the opening, we see underwater, where the Ptolemaeus still is, and then we cut into the Ptolemaeus briefing room, where... Or a conference room. Conference room is the room I wanted. This is 100% a work conference room. This is in the upstairs of every grocery store. Because the the (laughs) briefing room has the sweet floor screen. This just has a table. So Marina is sitting, drinking, like, presumably, I would guess, tea. Or coffee. Some sort of caffeinated uh, beverage. Lasse... Ian, Setsuna, and Tiaria are here talking to her about this. They're all scowling. I think it's. I don't think important. they're scowling. They're all standing. Was what I was going to say. Marina has sat down like a human being. They're all standing. <laughs> I get the feeling more that Ian and uh, Lasse dropped in on like their break. They're just coming by to see what's going on before going back to do what they're supposed to be doing because Lasse is the driver, and of course Sumeragi's not here because she's probably in a room currently getting plastered. So Marina's like, hey, thanks for rescuing me, guys. Anyway, that one time you saved my country nonviolently, I thought that was magnificent. Like, legit, thanks for that. That was a great choice. <laughs> and so that's <laughs> just like, yeah, never mind that. That's not really important right now. And it really isn't. So uh, what are your plans now, like, that we've kidnapped you from prison? She's like, well, currently I'm on a submarine, so I don't know. Go to the aquarium. Do you think Celestial Being has an aquarium? No, but it's, they have windows. It's not the goddamn Archangel, Zach. 
that doesn't have hot springs. <laughs> I forgot about the Archangel's I hot springs. They'll maintain the reason why they have hot springs is because they were planning to make it into Kigali's private yacht that had more firepower than anybody would ever actually need on a private yacht. So Marina tells him that she will return to Azedistan, and Lasse comes back with, that is insane. The security agency is just going to come pick you up again. We have to jailbreak you again. What is with everyone we rescue just wanting to go immediately back to being arrested? <laughs> What's funny about this is... Uh, Why is it everybody sets in a rescue <laughs> immediately wants to go back to being arrested? She does this at He's the... He's out two for two. That's three if you can't Sumeragi. <laughs> but three Sumeragi for four. didn't want to go back. And he didn't rescue Sumeragi more than he just retrieved Sumeragi. He, he abducted Sumeragi, arguably. <laughs> yes, but he did not save Sumeragi from jail the way he saved Saji and uh, Marina, who apparently both are like, I can't live on the outside. <laughs> I've been institutionalized <laughs> from being there for two weeks. This is really funny because uh, having watched the next episode, Marina does then go back to Azedistan and no one argues that time, even though it's literally the exact same condition. And then Tiaria says the Federation could show up and burn your country to the ground, like... And use you as an excuse. And she's like, yeah, but in the last four years, I've been a really bad princess. It's way worse than it was four years ago when it was pretty bad. Uh, there are flies honestly, on babies now. And, and the way she says, like, obviously, the, the reformists reached a stalemate, so they're still kind of having civil war. But the rest of the world has just completely abandoned them. So, like, there's no world trade Evidently, so they're not really having any kind of ability to stimulate or get their economy working, because who are you going to trade with? It's not that there's no world trade. It's that they're being sanctioned because they're not part of the super UN. And she's like, that's why I have to return. Setsuna goes like, all right, we'll set a course from a, for Azedistan then. Because so I guess I'm in charge now. And Thierry is like, dude, you serious? I do like how he doesn't actually like argue with him. He just kind of has that. It's an are you sure? Yeah, it's, it's an are you sure? And then Lasse and Ian are like, yeah, well, Setson is in charge now. Okay, that's the plan. Aye, aye, Captain. Lasse looks legitimately like, he smiles at her and he looks legitimately happy. Like, okay, you've made up your mind, then we will support you in this. He was bored and looking for something to do this afternoon anyway. So then Lasse and Ian leave and Milena pokes in her head and goes, hey, excuse me for asking, but are the two of you lovers? <laughs> <laughs> I love Setsuna and Marina's immediate responses. No. And it's not the anime Sundere. N no, Baka. It's just a very clear, flat no from them. Not in sync either. Well, because they I think Setsuna just says no and Marina says we're not. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's a really good moment because like, well... Going through here, it seems like they are at least friendly and on their way to becoming friends. There's not really any romantic chemistry between these two. No, they just uh, like to get high and talk about philosophy. Yeah, at late at night before pancakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and both of them are just absolutely deadpan. I do love this as a way to kill a ship. Sorry if you were shipping these two. <laughs> the ship is dead now. The ship is sinking. No, the ship is sunk. Along with Milena, who's like, oh man, my feminine intuition was wrong. I love how, like, Yin Vashti specifically was leaving, stopped to hear the answer to this question. <laughs> Here's the answer, and it's just like, I'm not sure if I should feel relieved or not, but I'm out. Well, also, that's his daughter, so. <laughs> I mean, we've also established Yin Vashti is a gossipy bitch, so. <laughs> well, who's he going to gossip with now? Sumeragi's plast. I guess Lasse? I guess, spoilers, his wife. Wait, what? He's got a, well, he's got a daughter. Well, and? <laughs> Jeremy, you're spoiling it. I, t I, told, I asked Tyler if he could come up with Milena's tragic backstory. Yeah, well. Okay, wait, hear me out. Um, Veda. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Ian's going to gossip with Veda when they retake it. He's just got to get all the hot goss to input to Veda because that's part of his job. And Veda is like, this is level eight. Even ribbons won't get this. <laughs> So apparently, Lasse was waiting around outside because he is now behind Ian as they're walking down the hallway. Oh, so similar to how Nana somehow beat Tiaria to uh, the Veda terminal that one time. Do we just think that Ptolemy has non-Euclidean hallways so people just get lost in them? In, in that case, I actually feel more like Lasse left, then realized that Ian hadn't left yet and so was waiting for him because he wanted to ask about Sumeragi. Now, I kind of like the idea that... And so uh, when Ian walked past him, then he started walking after him. True solar GN drives actually warp space-time around them. So <laughs> Checks out. So Ian's like, yeah, I don't think she's ready to wear that uniform yet. I don't know if she's ever going to really be ready to rejoin us. Cut to Sumeragi <laughs> just, <laughs> just looking, looking absolutely <laughs> wasted in her room. Cut to Haro Simulator 2223, where Lockon's trying to get a new high score. I actually kind of like this showing him... In the uh, simulator practicing. So he's like, Haro, what's my hit rate? And he's like, 78%, 78%. He's like, God damn it, my brother had 98%. And then he gets out of the dynamis in the simulator to see <laughs> Felt on a catwalk, who immediately looks away in like, this amazing it, like, animation. to attention. It's so stiff and cartoony, but it's also just perfect for the, no, I wasn't staring at you, Babaka. So, so uh, Felt is not a subtle person. Um. <laughs> uh, neither is Lockon. Who comes up is like, hey, something the matter? I feel like you're always staring at me, and Felt. Felt is just like, no, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. It's not important. And Lockon's like, come on, tell me why. And Haro, the worst wingman in history, is <laughs> like, Felt was into Lockon. She totally had a crush on him. I read her diary. There were all sorts of steamy deets. <laughs> I'm just imagining a Haro turning a page with his little like ear flap thing. Do these Haros have the arms? Yeah, they do. They come out of the, like, things on the bottom. Both of them, like, kind of react to that. I love Felt's reaction to, like, it's such a subtle, like, oh, geez, the Haro just outed me. And so she spins around and yells at Haro. So Lockin's like, hey, I'm not my brother. And she's like, yeah, I know that. Really, I do. And then he grabs her chin. It's like, but you know, if you don't mind that, I wouldn't mind getting closer. And then he goes in and just kisses her immediately, which Haro is totally into and Felt is not. <laughs> Neo Lock-On, this is an HR violation. <laughs> Felt will report you to HR. I feel like You do not want to deal with celestial beings at HR because it's Tiaria and Setsuna in an open airlock. <laughs> I do like the idea of Tiaria and Setsuna beating up somebody who hurt their little sister. <laughs> so Lock-On's like, like, hey, if you're up for it, come by my room. And he gets and slapped. Felt immediately slaps him. While crying, and then she goes off. And Haro cheerfully is just like, you struck out, you struck out. Do you think Lock-On, like, Neo Lock-On did this intentionally trying to get her to stop like, I, I stalking think him? Based on this line that he gives as he walked away, um, I just opened her eyes. Yes, I, yeah. do, I think he did this 100% on purpose. Yeah, I also read it that way. I did too, I just wanted to know what your guys' opinions were. And he's like, I can't stand being compared to my brother. Ugh. Then maybe you shouldn't be trying. Maybe you should stop comparing yourself to your brother because you seem to be doing it more than anybody else. That's his real weakness as a character is that he can't brother live complex. His br yep. <laughs> you see, Neil was the older brother by about one minute. So, <laughs> so then we cut to Sumeragi's room where Alleluia is enabling because he has come with the finest. Uh, uh, oh, what? No, we're going to cut to it in a moment. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, look, I know. I, so, I noticed. Yeah, the he continuity. shows up with wine and glasses and is like yo 
Drink? To drink, not to get drunk for a change? I want to just hang out with my mom. I haven't gotten to do that in four years since I've been in prison. <laughs> Cut to the A-Law's briefing room, I guess, where they are being ch- uh, chided by Blondie. Yeah. the guy Fat bastard. The Does guy, this guy have a name? He must. He's basically second in command of the A-Law's, right? He's, he's, We've seen him before. We've seen fat ass here before. He's like, so you lost the Gundam pilot we had captured, and on top of that, you got outmaneuvered by Catharon. What a noob. It's, it's a, a disgrace, disgrace, Colonel. And Cody's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know they had a flying space submarine. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't possibly have known they had a flying space submarine because literally no one can fucking do that. They have a space, yeah, space submarine. It's like, Jesus, this thing can do anything they want it to. And the guy's like, save your excuses. We have no room for incompetence. What the fuck are you talking about? She was outmaneuvered. That doesn't make you incompetent. How could you possibly have anticipated them literally having a spaceship that can go underwater? I don't know. This seems like exactly what happens when you screw up in retail. (laughs) I mean, I've never had that happen. I mean, the few times I've screwed up, it's literally been, I made a mistake. Sorry, Sorry, manager. I'll fix it. And they're like, yeah, please, please do. So yellow hair is like, Major Rent, you will be in charge of the next operation. And I want to talk about Rent's English voice actor, because all of the A-Laws have the most mustache twirling, yes, I am evil, <laughs> voice actors, <laughs> except this guy who just sounds like he's Atherin's childhood friend. <laughs> he's like so polite and well-spoke. It's such a weird choice. But he's also animated I, as mustache twirling. Look at the face he's making. I kind of like that idea of the... of. Like, a guy not being the super mustache-twirling, like, evil villain like most of these guys end up being. And having someone just be well a well-spoken individual, even though he's absolutely bloodthirsty. I think it's just weird because all of the other guys have the exactly the voice actors you would expect. So Major Rent is like, yes, as you wish. I shall teach you how we do things in the a-holes, Colonel. You're not being nearly mean enough. You should be really careful there, Major, because that's... Still insubordination to a superior officer. Still outranks your ass. He has been put in command, though, and I'm not sure how that works. She still outranks him. Like, he might be in ch- necessarily in charge of the operation. She still outranks him and is deserving of, like, actual respect. Yeah. Like, that's how that kind of thing works. I don't think they have that in ALOS. Probably not, based on the way this guy doesn't seem to be overly worried about it. Or it's all Somas, and it's for Sergei. And they only let that in because they have Andre to balance it out. So we find out that that guy is apparently a specialist in mopping up operations, presumably like the kinds of operation that led to them massacring the Proud Colony. Yep. And so Major Dickweed says, well, the, the Gundams stole the Azadison Princess 2 while they were at it. We saw this happen, and... I hear one of the Gundams is from the Middle East. I don't know how I know that. Are the Gundam pilots' identities public information now? This show will be very inconsistent about that. <laughs> so with Setsuna, here's my here's my no prize answer so far. Graham Aker saw his face. I can do you one better, Zach. Ribbons knows who they all are and is in charge of the ALOS. He literally has all of their oh, personal yeah, that information. True. That is that is <laughs> true. Sorry, I... I for whatever reason, I had I had forgotten about that because, like, obviously Graham and Billy both met Setsuna, and Graham saw him piloting a Gundam. But you're right, Ribbons literally knows who all of them are. Well, I mean, I guess technically he doesn't know who New Lockon is, but he can probably make the logical leap. Yeah, New Lockon could have a secret identity, but he should literally have giant dossiers on the other three of them that he could give to the Alos if he wanted. 
Okay, so I've spent this entire time trying to find out what the hell this guy's name is. He is the hardest goddamn character to find. <laughs> I don't. So neither Cody uh, nor this Abel or whatever Major Rince yeah. uh, profile have a link to this guy. They don't mention him at all. Um, I ended up going through eight different search terms before finding a TV tropes page that has his picture on it. And then underneath the picture, there's a caption that says, Rince Commander. Anyway, I eventually found it. Do you want to take a guess as to what this guy's name is? Commander Rince? Harold. Harold is pretty good. It's Arthur Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know. That's good so, old Art. So easily the worst Arthur we've had so far. Exactly. Of the two, yes. <laughs> Who was the other Arthur we had? Trine. The XO on the Minerva. Yeah. Oh, I I totally forgot his forgot he existed. Sorry. <laughs> he is kind of a wet blanket, well, but <laughs> like I just I always forgot his name was Arthur, even though he made the jokes all the time. My me being that kind of nerd, my immediate reaction was we haven't done anything with fate recently. I say he's the funny guy who's inexplicably British in the dub. So the guy whose name I literally just forgot, even Arthur though he's Goodman. <laughs> so good man. Is like, ah, so he thinks he's a good man, like a knight riding a white horse to save a princess. And uh, sure, let's go with that fat ass and not just, hey, I want to save this person because she's unjustly being imprisoned for just happening to know me. Only a lawful good paladin would do that, Zach. Hey, my chaotic good rogues would probably do that just for the sole purpose of being like, yeah, fuck the man. And so Major Rent is like, these days, it seems like Celestial Being is driven by its members' personal feelings rather than any overriding tactics. I don't know how I know this, but it's a very astute observation. The fact that they saved their fellow pilot is proof of this. He couldn't what? possibly have information or skills they desired. <laughs> I mean, the only reason why it makes sense to go to New Lock-On without worrying too much about it is because they, or at least that's an Anuia's member of Cateron, so he wasn't going to out them. is not going to turn on them. I do like, They don't have to worry about the A-Laws sticking a, a spy in their midst or sneaking somebody in who they could accidentally have somebody who could be held hostage against them. I feel like New Lock-On is a mostly emotionally driven decision. This guy doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy doesn't know they went and got their mom drunk and told a guy who could definitely tell everybody who she is that... Oh, he's yeah, in, does in, he ever do that? I feel say, like he should. Again, I don't know. I, do the Alas know who the Gundammeisters are already? Does he need to? I don't know. And with Hallelujah, that doesn't feel like we say an emotional decision. No, I mean that it feels like a that that actually feels very much like a tactical decision because you already know what he can do. I mean, I think it was mostly an emotional decision from them. I feel from the outside looking in, there's no way to know. But Major Rint knows. He's just a real good psychologist. Well, he says it's it's proof of this. So they're probably going back to Azetistan, and we should set a trap right here. So Goodman's like, very well, you can use my cool new trilobite. Which is definitely a thing we would name a new thing and not an ancient thing. And he's like, cool, can I also have your Mr. Bushido? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I Who was this. just in the corner of the room, I guess, the entire time. <laughs> And this is the official reveal of Mr. Bushido's name, Mr. Bushido. Which, by the way, is said in English. Oh, yes. It's not Bushido-san. It's <laughs> Mr. Bushido. Which I think, look, I have a no-price answer for Mr. Bushido that was a joke, but I think might be somewhat true. Is it what we were talking yes. about a couple weeks ago? So, Please share. So America and Japan share a lot of things, one of which is our stories are both very xenophobic. <laughs> 
to the point where if you're familiar with the character Solid Snake, even though he's clearly Kurt Russell from the Escape from New York and L.A. movies, he's canonically half Japanese, so Japanese people will care about him more. Okay. So Graham Aker is an American guy, and so I think they are like trying to Japan him up a little bit, because most Gundam protagonists are explicitly Japanese, right? Yep, that's fair. Almost none of the characters in Double O are Japanese, right? They're Saji. He's basically the one. Yeah, because Louise isn't. Yeah, Setson is highly Japanified, but is, his Middle Eastern origin and, is very important to his character. And we don't know if Alleluia or Tieria actually, like, where their nationalities are. And I don't... Well, Alleluia is because he was a Human Reform League subject. is kind of implied to be Russo or Chinese. Yeah, I've always read him as Indian, but yeah, you're right. In that yeah. sphere of influence, exactly. at the very least. Which isn't, as we know, Japan, unless they kidnapped him from Japan, which I feel like would be would play a bigger part in his character if that was the case. Like, it's also, they're making fun of him for being a weeb, right? That's 100% just what <laughs> Mr. Bushido. <though. laughs> anyway, he sucks. <laughs> a Bushido? He was supposed to be dead. <laughs> and then we cut to Kadi looking at, like, the... What happened in the last episode. And, like, trying to analyze the tactics that were in use clearly very admiring of the enemy commander and she's like man they did a really good job fucked me right up clearly the person who knew who did this knew what they were doing and she's like wait i've seen this before but then before she can come to a conclusion she hears an order to launch the trilobite and she's like what the hell her conclusion was it's sergey smirnov the only other person she knows about who is a brilliant tactical commander we will find that's not the only other person she knows about that is a brilliant tactical commander. Is it also Cujo? <laughs> Named after the, the, the dog from Stephen King's Cujo. It's entirely possible that they have linked backstories. So we see the Trilobite launch. Then we see Soma and Andre just like on the port side watching this. And Soma's like, huh. I believe that is the starboard side. I don't know boats. Port is the left side of the ship. I bo- starboard is the right side. I thought they were on the left, but... Well, the, the bulk of the ship was to their left. I couldn't tell which direction that boat was facing, to be fair. So. It's also a weird carrier thing that is like a W. So someone's like, man, they even made mobile armors with GN drives. And Andre's like, I heard a rumor that some woman has been providing us with generous donations. Someone's like, that's a weird hobby. Why doesn't she just build models? <laughs> <laughs> Cut completely inconspicuously to Luis in space. I don't really understand why you would build a mobile armor... Specifically designed for underwater operation. What if there are underwater dissidents? <laughs> what if they escape to Atlantis, Zach? I, I kind of like the way... I mean, you might be right, but I'm They're going preparing to... for G-Savior, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I do like here how Louise is... Like, she's in her room, and she's specifically looking down at her hands, but the way she's got her hands, her like new hand, her left hand, the one she lost, is actually... She's got it covered up by her right hand. Okay, so uh, because Jeremy pointed out that that transitioned to her, which is not a thing I thought anything of, Louise has got to be loaded now, right? Because her entire family died, and she's the only living heir to all of that. I had assumed that was Chun-Li was the one providing all of the donations. That would also explain why Louise is placed here. Yep. Because she's funding them, or providing large amounts of funding to them. They did a subtle storytelling. I'm so proud of them. So subtle that it apparently went over my head. But I'm about as intuitive as a brick. So so Luis gets a call from her squad mate who's like, hey, we've been ordered to make our way to the Earth's surface to fight some Gundams and stuff. 
report to the bridge immediately. We're sorting all suits this time, including you. <laughs> I still can't get over that one last time. I, it must be a mistranslation thing, right? Because Captain Zenin, who is the one who saved her in the first episode, also didn't sortie because he's still alive. It's just one of those sorting all mobile suits except you. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut into Cateron preparing to sortie all of their old junkers, except for the, like the most advanced model they had on that wall of a flag. They also have an ANF, so, you know, that's what they're dealing with. I do like the blue color scheme they have on all of them, though. It's pretty cool. The, the blue color scheme is nice. I just really like the fact that they're dealing with this very motley collection of old mobile suits. So we cut into their command room where they're like, it looks like Celestial Being is indeed going to a Zetistan. Klaus, are we really going to do this? And he's like, we have to bail them out. Not sure why you think you can help them, but... Well, he says specifically, Celestial Being is important for our goals, and if we help them, we can bring Marina under our protection. We can definitely protect them better than a flying submarine. (laughs) Okay, so on this one, this makes a little bit of sense, because they have been hidden for the entire time. That's true. Whereas Celestial Being showed up and immediately was attacked by... Well, they are running around in their flying submarine with a big-ass target painted on their backs. Like, they are picking a fight with the world, and while Cateron is doing largely the same thing, they are operating from a covert location. That's true. So it makes a little bit of sense from the perspective of we can hide her better than they are literally being shot at. They are doing their archangel impression. I actually, okay, so this is a hypothetical question, or I guess maybe just like some, I feel like there's a word for this. I'm just wondering. Does Cateron have other bases? Because Lyle was in cell structure, the, I believe, is what the you're UK somewhere. I would wager probably. Okay. I, my my guess for this, like I said, would probably be a cell structure. But yeah. I don't think that this series wants to go into the intricacies of something like that. Yeah. Because... Oh, I've read Moon is a Harsh Mistress, which devotes 40 pages of its 200-page book length to describing what spy cells look yeah, like. But this is a <laughs> this is a show, as Jeremy has pointed out numerous times, for babies. It doesn't want to go into stuff like cells and all that kind of stuff because it's not really important to the story it's trying to tell. Well, I wish someone had told Robert Heinlein that. <laughs> uh, do you want an answer to that question? Because I have one. Yeah. Yeah, it is basically a cell structure. They okay. are the Middle Eastern branch of Calderon. Okay. I was just wondering if this is like their main headquarters or just a it, headquarters. It's kind of implied to be basically their main headquarters, but okay. it's not their I mean, only one. It could be both. Just a headquarters and the headquarters. Like I've said, that is the joy of a cell structure. The Aelas are very much the Titans. Catheron is sort of the Aeugen Karaba, but not really. Less so than the Aelas are the Titans. So Kalas is like, we have to do everything to save Marina. After all, Kishirin, she's your important friend. And she's like, well, I wouldn't say important. Friends might be a little. <laughs> Although these things might be stretching the terms a little bit. Because we never really saw them having, like, I could believe a friendship between the two, but we never actually got to see a friendship presented in the previous season because Sharon really kind of came across as the strict aunt. Like, <laughs> overly strict stepmother type of character. Whereas, like, we didn't see an actual, like, counseling or anything like that. It was very much of, you don't know that. I can't imagine Marina wanting to hang out with Sheeran on the weekend. <laughs> um, they, you, don't, you can't imagine the two of them going bowling? No, but apparently we're being told that they did. As we get a flashback to Sheeran leaving, and we actually get the dialogue this time. And she's like, yes, princess, with the current Federation government policies, we'll never be able to rebuild a Zetistan. Even if we could join the Federation. So anyway, I'm going to go become a terrorist. Bye. <laughs> I hate Celestial Being, but I do think their methods were effective. <laughs> 
Do you think she knew she was going to go join Caderon when she was leaving? I don't think she had necessarily chosen exactly what she was going to do. And she just kind of fell in with these guys because they had a lot of the same ideas. And like one day she happened to just look up and realize, shit, I'm a terrorist now. She wandered down. She's like, I'm going to become a freelance journalist and expose government corruption. Oh, wait, no, that ended poorly for the other one. I don't know this. My interpretation is that she's a founding member of Catheron. Like, she did not go, I'm going to go join them. She was like, I'm going to go do a resisting. And that, and, and then she met a, a cute boy. And the organization <laughs> kind of built itself up around that. And she was like, blue's a good color. Yeah, I can see that. It reminds me of Marina's eyes. <laughs> and blue is always the good guys. So Sharon's like, Klaus, let me come with you. I'm not going to do anything, I promise. She's like, I, I, I won't get in the way. Like, what kind of field experience do you have like what what can you actually do she is dressed in a tactile neck so i assume something (laughs) and she's been a member for like four years right so i can believe she has experience like she's here for a reason right yeah what exactly is she contributing to this organization my assumption as to what she was doing here was organizational expertise i was gonna say she's just close to secretary as a uh you know working directly at the highest levels of government i would wager she has some pretty good skills when it comes to organization so that would be my guess as to what her primary like duties are, is dealing with that kind of stuff. Yeah, logistics, and, and intelligence. Yeah, stuff like that. Really freaking important. More important than just having another dude with a rifle. Indeed. And belittling Klaus any time he makes a dumb decision. <laughs> <laughs> she learned that while tutoring uh, Marina. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of Marina, we cut to her in the conference room, being like, ah, there must be something I can do. And She's by not the conference- in the conference room. She is in the window room. <laughs> You're right. I don't know why this is a room. Because it's definitely that part of the Archangel that Lacus Klein just stared out into space out of. No, oh. this is a room because we saw this room on board the original Ptolemaeus because this is the room that, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, so that Felton, Felton Lock-on, Lock-on had their heart to heart. Yeah, it's true. It's the crush room. And that's why Milena thought they were into each other. But she was wrong. So Marina takes a moment, gathers her thoughts and is like, hey, Setsuna, can you come back with me to Azetisan? And Setsuna looks a little surprised at this. So she's like, I want to rebuild the country so people can live free. And I want, like, I think you can help me. My, my immediate thought was, how? Dude has literally done everything but learn the kind of skills that you would need in order to be useful in this situation. I feel like what he's doing now is actually going to be more useful than trying to help you rebuild your country. Because let's face it, the kind of skills that Setson would have to help out here is hauling rocks no she knows that he she's going to need someone to assassinate people and that's what she needs she needs someone to solid snake things yeah more seriously i think what she wants is his perspective he is a child soldier from the nation they absorbed that is now part of her people right he has a lot of perspective that she does not because she's a rich princess and i guess uh coming from that same side if he is backing her then you would have at least part of that nation the, the people that are of that nation would be able to get behind him, if not necessarily her. But if he's backing her, then that can help pull them into supporting her as well. I just imagine a bunch of people on the street being like, Marina's got a crew just punk with her. Let's support her. (laughs) (laughs) This is my KP. (laughs) But Setson is like, I can't do that. All I'm good for is fighting. Which is what we were just saying. And Marina's like, hey, that's sad. Don't say that. You have to be good for something else. Nothing good will come of fighting. And while you're there, there is one school of thought that says, you know, the lasting victories are the ones of peace, not of violence. There are times when you have to do a violence. Which is exactly sets it as counterpoint. I like how sad he looks when she says this. Like, he has come to a decision. Violence isn't the only answer. There are better answers. 
But violence is the one I know. And violence is the one that I have to answer with. I really just, like, if I ever do a dub of this, I just want to replace every time Marina says something like that with, war, huh? What is it good for? (laughs) (laughs) So Setsuna's like, I used to think that too before I joined Celestial Being. But now I see myself as, like, a surgeon who needs to cut the cancer out of the world with my giant sword that's a Gundam. I'm mixing my metaphors a little bit, but I'm going to fight. I I do like how he basically illustrates his perspective. Like, it's not so much I'm going to blow things up because I want to blow things up. Or I like fighting and doing what I'm doing. I'm not Ali Al-Sanchez over here. I'm doing this because the world does, like I said, sometimes you need to do a violence. And Marina now gets to be sad. Yeah. Well, I think she also, because she understands what he's talking about. And And she gets it, but she doesn't want him to be fighting. Yeah, she wants to save this poor boy, and she can't. And on her reaction, we don't get an eye catch. Well, hey there. Thank you for listening to episode four of season two of Gundam Double O with us. That's a lot of numbers. It's not going to become any less numbers. Any fewer numbers, it will not be a number-deficient series ever. Anyway, the show is about to take a dive, and by that I mean literally. I don't have a whole lot to plug this week, so hey, if you like what we do and want to support us, go check out our Patreon, and we have some bonus content that we put up at least one episode a month for over there. And also we have a Discord, where we talk about all sorts of random nerd stuff. Yeah, I think that's it. Let's get back to the episode. So they're holding steady at a depth of 3,200 feet, meters? I mean, I'm sure it's standardized in whatever setting they're in, but I don't know what it is. I'm going to go with feet. (laughs) I think it has to be more than feet, given the battle that's going to take. Well, maybe not. The reason why I don't think it would be meters is because 3,200 meters, you're getting close to Titanic. So we got into like a turbine room where Saji is helping Ian do repairs. And he's like, hey, are you sure it's okay? Showing me all this secret stuff. And Ian's like, well, we've got like six guys. so And I'm the only mechanic on board. And you went to college. And you know what they say. Those who don't work don't eat. And uh, you've got your stage two face engineer's license, which makes you more than qualified to act as my gopher. And so she's like, all right, I get it, mister. And he's like, yeah, Ian Vashti. And so he's like, uh, Ian, what is a person like you who is not just a fighter man doing here? Repairing this mobile suit, can't you see, and kid? Ian's like, I've, I was a mechanic. Apparently he was a mechanic for like a military mechanic. And he's just like, I fixed so many busted up shit and, you know, washed out so many bodies that I got sick of it. I'm assuming that, unfortunately, the mechanics are probably the guys who have to wash out cockpits when they come back with dead guys in them, because uh, tow truck drivers are usually the ones that have to clean up accidents. Oh, I did not know that. So he goes, everyone here feels the same and wants to get rid of the war. Some of them were on the front lines. Some of them are drunk right now. Some were uh, rebuilt by the military. Some are the $1 million man. Some of them are terrorist victims. Some of them were child guerrilla soldiers. Uh, don't guess which one that is. It's sad. I do like how <laughs> it's flashing through. When he mentions who it, each one basically goes over each person. Except for Tiaria, who's just there. We still don't know Tiaria's deal. Or, or, He's and a Malena. USB port. Well, Malena's there because her dad's there. Yeah. Well, we don't know that yet. We find out at the end of this episode. Well, did we find out last episode they have the same last name. No, you looked that up. Oh, did I? Yeah, you yeah. looked that up. I found out last episode that <laughs> they had the same last name. So Ian's like, yep, you just want to end war. And Saji's like, but you're hurting people. And Ian's like, yep, that makes us criminals, so we'll accept the punishment, but only after we end war. That seems yeah. reasonable. We, we'll, we're willing, it's the same thing that Lock-On said. Yep. We're willing to accept the consequences of our actions once we've succeeded. Lock-On Classic, we should be specific. Sorry, yeah, Lock-On Classic. So speaking of classic, 
Sumeragi is pouring the most richly flavored of all vintage wine. I also it's wanted, vintage wine. It's vintage wine, the most richly flavored of all vintage wine. It's also the same brand as the Scotch. They're both Weatherall. <laughs> uh, makes sense. They have the same tagline. <laughs> Talking with Alleluia, and she's like, so Soma Pierce, huh? She was that super soldier we fought, right? And Alleluia's like, why didn't I realize sooner? Obviously, only she could mess with my quantum brainwaves. I mean, Hallelujah. <laughs> just y- nods. Hallelujah knew it, <laughs> but didn't mention it. When I got captured by the UN, I thought my time had come to pay for my sins. So I just figured I'd rot away from there forever because I'm an emo boy. When he's saying that, Sumeragi has poured herself a glass of this wine. And it, when he's talking about that, it, it cuts to a shot of like her hand. And it kind of gives the impression that she's thinking about just going for the bottle instead of bothering with the glass at this point. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Like... She's clearly uncomfortable in some way, and I'm not really sure what that's meant to imply. Is it just the shakes? Is she uncomfortable with this conversation? Is she uncomfortable with the setting? I think in in a little ways, she's also partly uncomfortable with the fact that Alaliu was captured and held in this prison for four years while she was basically drinking herself to oblivion with Billy. That's a good point. Like, I feel like a little bit of it is guilt towards leaving him to die, basically. Which he seems okay with, or was okay with, but now everything's different because he has to get Mary back. Or Sumeragi's like, she's your enemy. And he's like, I know. Also, you did murder everyone that either of you ever knew, which I think might be a deal breaker for her. And Hallelujah's <laughs> like, yeah, I know I did that. I killed everybody. And she'd hate me if she found out about that. She, she already knows about that, man. He says, but even if she despises me, I want to get her back. So Sumeragi's like, I envy you. You have a reason to fight. And I have nothing to do. I got nothing in my life. I'm not even sure I ever had a reason. And Nalilu's like, didn't you support Aeolia's plans? Isn't that why you decided to join? And she's like, kinda. But I think I also just was hoping that if I got rid of war, it would erase all my past mistakes. And that selfish egoism got Christina and Lichty killed. Also, my past mistakes of apparently being too good. She says that I, she did it and sacrificed lives for her own ego, and I really just feel like Sumeragi is just the kind of person who will blame herself for the sun failing to rise. Yeah. For the sun setting in the evening, Sumeragi is the person who will blame herself for that. She's actually Catra's mom. She's like, yeah, I just got no reason to fight or be here or do anything. And so Aleluia's like, hey, I believe there's a reason for you to be here. You're he, our mom. He, <laughs> and he's, he's kind of reinforcing with that we believe in you. Like, you don't believe in you, but we do. Also, for some reason, the last few sentences of this conversation are in flashback tone. Yep. And I don't, even though we're still seeing the scene, I don't know why. It flashes out of that, like, he asks her, why did you save me? And then it cuts out of that to move us along in timeline, I think, is just the the intent for that. I guess to show that Sumeragi is still thinking about this conversation even after it's over. And hey, she didn't drink all that wine, so progress. So we cut out to Alleluia looking at the Arios Gundam, which I really don't like the head on this thing. What is with those two, the the four planes on it? I was actually thinking I kind of like those. They're a different take on the V-Fin. I'm not super fond of them either. And she's like, and he's like, Setsuna talks to his Gundam and it seems to help him. So Arios, we're going to get Mari back. Even if Hallelujah is gone and I can't use my quantum brainwaves. So Tiaria is staring in his hallway, but he's not judging. In fact, he's like, ah, a reason to fight. In the past, I would have said that was stupid. He's judging I'm his learning past how self. To, I'm learning how to be a person. And then we cut to a picture of everybody from the Archangel, including Dr. Moreno hiding behind Alleluia. Did you purposely say the Archangel? Did I say the Archangel? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I didn't <Shit>. even notice. <laughs> I like how only the one horror gets to be in the picture also. Well, it's Lock-On's horror. It's Lock-On's horror, yes. 
I do like how Lock-On is like got the, the, the fatherly hands on the shoulders of, of Lasse and Setsuna. And so Maragi's like, man, I wonder if I can go on with the and protect the people who are dear to me. Emilio. That's not a name we've heard before. Cut okay. to Ptolemaeus is getting ready to leave the Strait of Hormuz. I'm just going to point out this terrible code. We have Void Movum, which accepts <laughs> Void. That is a terrible function that's relying entirely on state features. Ah, anyway. Well, they don't have a programmer on board. <laughs> I thought that was Tiaria. I think that's Felt. Wasn't it Felt and Christina? Yeah. That's what? true. They made that entire OS for the Gundams. So Sumeragi looks at a camera she has of the water outside, and she's like, huh, there's no fish, and it's too calm. At this depth, that would mean, oh, shit, we're going to be attacked. And then we cut to the bridge where they're like, uh, there are six enemies closing in fast. And by enemies, I do mean torpedoes. And so Lasse's like, I can't dodge them. Felt, give me a GN field. So Saji <laughs> falls on his ass. The animation for Saji, for Saji falling on his ass is great. And they relay that the sonar is being jammed by some chemical that was in the warheads. And Sumeragi's like, ah, oh, they must have a new model. Because I don't know of anything that can do this. They've invented super torpedoes. So we see the Trilobite launching more torpedoes at them. I like how Setsuna yells to Marina to get to the middle of the ship because if anything starts to flood. And then she starts looking around for like a deck layout. (laughs) So these new torpedoes can just go through the GN field and impact the ship. And they start flooding one of the containers. Specifically the container that has the CeraVe and the Dynamis in it. So Aria and Lockdown. Not the Dynamis, the Cherubidim. Cheridim. Cheridim, whatever. Cheridim, whatever. The green one. So Sierra and Lock-On run into their Gundams so they can be in them before they are flooded. And apparently they cannot launch the Gundams at depth of 3200, so that, whatever exactly that is. And when they try to rise up, they're being bombed from the surface by depth charges. And Sumeragi, trying to make her way through the bridge, either too drunk to walk straight or unable to because of the bombardment. I think it's because of the bombardment. It's like, they're probably going to use chemical bombs to try and shut us down and then we cut up to rent doing like a magnificent bastard yes we shall bombard them for two minutes and then the trilobite will engage in close combat it's a shame i won't be able to watch this ship being crushed by the pressure i love Cotty's glare he's like this guy's handled it well but celestial being isn't gonna take this lying down yeah, i wonder how he'll do once they punch him in the face because everybody <laughs> has a plan until they get punched in the face and his is very smug yeah it's um it's the uh, old, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Yeah. They have now made contact with the enemy. Your plan is about to die. But the Ptolemaeus has been covered in resin and can't steer or open the gun ports, and their sonar is still not working, so they can't detect the enemy. And Lass is like, ah, oh, isn't there anything we can do? Cut to Sumeragi drunks onto the bridge. <laughs> and she's looking very determined. Yeah, she's in her Misato ass. I love her not in uniform, just like in this suit, being like, okay, kids, I got a K command. And I love how she doesn't immediately sit in the uh, the chair. She's just leaning on the back of it, and is immediate like the depth. They're going to stop depth charging us in a couple of seconds. Then they're going to attack in close combat, and the trilobite attacks them with its needle claws. They took inspiration from the Curio Shield, and it just spears their port side, and we see a bunch of flooding. And felt is like, well, if at this step they're going to crush us with the pressure. I love Sumeragi super smug. Yeah, they've activated her trap card for sure. Smuggeragi? That might be something. It's close. <laughs> and she's like, well, we couldn't find the enemy, but they found, but they let us find them by hitting us. It's the same policy What's His Nuts used in that one fight in Bleach. Kenpachi. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this happens in like almost every fighting anime where a character is blind and their strategy is, I know, I'll let them stab me and then I know where they are because there's swords in me. And she's like, plus, they flooded our container for us, so we don't have to do that. And now we are high enough up that we can launch some Gundams. So the Cerave launches out and begins grappling immediately. And the Trilobite is like, we're a large enemy. You can't grapple us. You can't move us with just your one mobile suit thrust. And Tiara's like, you know what? Trans am, motherfucker. <laughs> and they're like, Kaya, what now? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how widely known the whole Trans Am thing ended up being. I don't feel like it was widely disseminated amongst the members of A-Laws, at least. Yeah, Kadi and Mr. Bushido know for sure, so, right? But uh, Unfortunately, this is critical information because they, now they know who manufactured the Gundams. Pontiac. Yep. <laughs> one of my funny the, the things i find the most amusing about battletech is that when you look at a lot of the engine manufacturers they're still like gm and nissan making fusion engines in the 31st century yep because Cap- capitalism is terrible so the trilobite pilots are like what's this and they start trying to claw <laughs> the just like poke it repeatedly <laughs> it's not going great and the caradum starts giving covering fire and Lockin's like ah oh, i am underwater but at this range it doesn't matter Although it's not really doing damage to the Trilobite, it's just, like, shaking them. No, because it kind of, remember, they're underwater, and beam weapons don't work as well underwater. Yeah. And so the Trilobite's like, let's get some distance, and we'll just launch torpedoes at it. But then Celestial Being is like, yeah, we have a swords. (laughs) Setsuna, go swords it. And he's like, Setsuna FSA, go into go swords. Ah, flashback to a girl being nice to me. I don't know how to deal with this. Focus, must focus, must swords target. (laughs) And then he swords the target. This is actually a really well-animated shot, though. Yep. Uh, the Trilobite does not last long against the double-O, which yeah. gets Beybladed. It has extra grasping claws it tries to use, and they just get cut in half before they can get anywhere close. It's impossible. The Trilobite is gonna, and then it explodes. And they apparently never bother to report back to their home ship, because it is a surprise to the mothership that the Gundam survived. I feel like they might not be able to talk to the mothership. There's depends too much on, water. Depends on how the water interferes with the radios. I was also going to say there's GN particles, which, according to the series, block radio communications. So Ali is like, hey, I'm in this fight too, Setsuna. Let's go to the surface. Do you need a taxi? So Setsuna grabs onto the Arios, which immediately transams him out of the ocean. Well, I feel like the, it's not so much where I'm just here. It's We got to deal with whatever that thing's mothership was. And Rin's like, hey, what's that? And they're like, that's the name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And also, uh, the Trellobite, they didn't really have a lot of time to report back to the mothership because they started losing and then immediately blew up. Yeah, no, that's fair. So Cotty's like, pull the ship back while Rin's like, launch mobile suits. But Cotty's like, no, it's too late for that. We are screwed. It's going to gun them at us. So Setsuna goes right for the bridge like he's going to destroy the Archangel. Unfortunately, that never goes well for anyone, and he gets body-checked by an ahead. I love how we, we first see him going for the bridge, and we see the shot of the ahead body-checking him, and then we get the overhead shot of him coming in and getting body-checked. It's a fancy ahead, though, with a samurai helmet and a beam katana, because <laughs> it's a Mr. Bushido's ahead. <laughs> and Setsuna's like, that's the new one. So the two of them cross swords, and Setsuna's like, oh, this is that tough guy I fought in that flag. And Mr. Bushi is like, the sword play. It's Shonen Kid. What incredible luck that I get to duel him again and redeem my uh, meaningless life of shame. Also, I feel like he's wearing a half mask now. He is. (laughs) You can see he has a little bit of scarring. So they launch some more aheads, but are immediately taken care of by Alleluia. No, this is Soma. Yeah. 
So she's like, well, he, he engages her. Yeah, they, they are doing a fight. That's what you call Basically it. Basically, right? the same thing. She's like, hey, that's E57. That's Hallelujah. And Hallelujah keeps getting hit. He's like, man, just sitting in prison for four years did not do good for my piloting skills. Also, it's losing not half fault. of my. I lost my parallel minds ability. <laughs> Soma's kind of taking him to the cleaners. But right before she can go in for a melee strike, a whole bunch of railgun fire comes in. And hey, it's the Catheron Cavalry. All flags, too. Which, so apparently they have quite a few flags. So Mr. Bushido's like, damn, anti-government people interrupting my honorable duels. And he kill, he, he shoots down a couple of them. I'm kind of surprised he didn't hold back because there were flags. Uh, and he gets orders that, we, that they are falling back and regrouping. And he sees that Setson is like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Like, you refuse to duel me. Yeah. Like, this is a fair fight. No point in fighting this. Cut back to the bridge where Cotty's like, Great lesson. Sure glad I learned from you. <laughs> I learned a whole I lot love, today. I love how passive aggressive she is. <laughs> so then we cut to a Rialdo and an act where Setsuna has taken Marina. And there are just a whole bunch of Catheron forces here with machine guns. And, and apparently somebody here has wanted to meet Marina. So they must have contacted them. And it's Sheeran and Klaus. And she's like, Sheeran, what are you doing here? And Sheeran is like, I only get one cool line in the entire series. Let me say it real quick. I'm a woman who raises her objection to the world. Yeah. Mic drop. I'm never going to do anything cool again. Yeah. Sheeran <laughs> Bakater, uh, global attorney. Objection. And, and that's, that's the, the end, end of the, the episode. episode. But wait, there's more. I actually kind of like the uh, after credit scene here. Yeah. Most of them so far have been pretty good. So we cut to Ala's headquarters where Captain Kataragi is like, yes, Billy, you are. My nephew, and I see you have finally decided to join us. And Billy's like, I look forward to working with you, Uncle. And he's like, yeah, you have to call me Commander here. Because I'm following in the footsteps of Professor Eifman. Which means I'm putting you in charge of mobile suit development. It would be nepotism, but you're the only competent mobile suit designer who doesn't work for celestial beings, so it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, presumably somebody else had to develop the heads and the new jinxes. Who developed the jinx, do we think? That's an interesting rabbit hole I don't think we can go down. There is some... From that little thing where they found, like, the abandoned celestial bean base outside of Jupiter, it's implied that there's, like, a whole second org that's been developing machinery based so, off So I of- guess it was the same people who developed the thrones? Yeah, basically. So Billy's like, roger that, sir. Then we cut to Sumeragi in her found service uniform. Yeah, now she's in the in the celestial being uniform, and it's apparently a little bit too small. And she's like blushing about it, which is hilarious because she does not has never really been a person concerned with modesty. And Felt's like, I'll go get you another one real quick. And Ian's like, looks just fine on you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is where we get uh, Melina revealing that Ian is her dad by saying, that's sexual harassment, dad. Don't make me tell mom. HR has had their handful today with a lot of that. And Setson is like, welcome back, Sumeragi. And then we cut to Billy being like, Cujo, all that time, you were simply using me. And then you crushed my feelings for you. You took them and you crushed them into a diamond. You so hyper compressed them. I will have my revenge. Meanwhile, she looks happy being <laughs> like having made up her mind to be back with these people. So like you said you like the scene, Tyler. So what do you like about it? Mostly I like that we're establishing like some motivation for Billy. I feel like we just kind of forgot about him for a little bit. And I'm glad we get to see him doing some stuff and setting up a villainous revenge arc. Although whether he's the villain is a very interesting question. Honestly, from everything we'd seen about Billy and Sumeragi, 
This is Billy projecting onto Sumeragi because I don't feel like Sumeragi was using him for anything so much as he, he was like, yes, I will help you. She no, was I, definitely using him for information, though. Yeah, there's the, the whole thing in the first half where he gives her the USB and asks for her uh, opinions on it. And she clearly feels super guilty about it, but is still using it. Yes, but he gave her that information. It wasn't like she came to him and started trying to pump him for information. He sent it to her unsolicited. Well, that's also because Billy has no concept of data security, <laughs> but you yeah, know. Anything else we want to say about this episode? I think it's the weakest one so far. A lot of the writing is a little bit weaker, but I still think it's pretty good. The fight with the trilobite feels kind of left fieldish. Yeah, because of the Zomzaza, I always think I'm a guy who really likes a cool new mobile armor and for people to fight it. But what I think it is, is that the Zomzaza is rad. And I just think every one of them is the Zomzaza. And there are like three that are as good as the Zamzaza in all of Gundam. The Trilobite yeah. ain't no Zamzaza. I feel like that's what a lot of what makes this episode weaker than the other ones that we've seen so far is that they had a lot of good like interpersonal stuff at the beginning of it. And then the second half is just, yeah, here's this new mobile armor that they're going to deal with immediately. I mean, the fight also kind of does serve to basically have Sumeragi have her moment of I'm back, more or less. Yeah. But I feel like you needed to do a little bit more to make it interesting because it starts and then it's over and it doesn't feel like... Complete. It, it doesn't feel satisfying. I feel like it's like, also... I'm not getting my fix here. It's very similar with the setup of Mr. Bushido and then nothing really happens with that. He exchanges a couple of blows with Setsuna and then they're done. Yep. Also, this is no Zamzaza, boy. <laughs> do you have a high point, Tyler? I think it's actually going to be the callback of Aoli and Sumeragi having a drink together and like... Sharing uh, mother-son bonding. Zach, are you guys lovers? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really like that scene. Not just because it's sinking the ship, but because of, like, just the fact that these two are, like, acknowledging. There's no rut and there's nothing romantic here. And it's so fast. It's not like the anime, no, I don't like you, Baka, like Jeremy said. It's just straight up. No. I feel like after Zach goes with a comedic one, I should go with a serious one. But while I think you two took better ones, it's Caddy Monikin being passive-aggressive at Major <laughs> Rent at the end. You're like, good lesson, Major. So glad I got to learn from you. I do have a high, I do have a honorable mention for that. And I think it's uh, Ian Vashti and Saji Crossroad. Also pretty discussion. good. The Morena and uh, Setsuna stuff is also an honorable mention in my book. So they, they had a lot of good character moments in this episode. Yep. Well, actually, I think I want to revise mine to Sumeragi in her suit, just like casually leaning on the seat and taking command. That's really good, actually. You have a low point, Tyler. Evil villain mustache twirling post-conference um, <laughs> and the introduction to Mr. Bushido. Just that entire scene. Why? Ow. Terrible writing. Zach. I know it functions most of that. I don't like the fight with the trilobite. Like, I feel like you needed to do, a, like... Either there needed to be a little bit more, or this needed to be a little bit more of a threat. Because it, it, like, they try and pretend like it's this big threat, but then it's dealt with immediately with no serious apparent consequences. It's not dealt with immediately, right? Because it has a whole bit of the episode where it's basically all-powerful, right? Where it is in control of the fight, and then the moment that changes, it's instantly destroyed. Except for the, the only problem with that is that while it is theoretically, like, all-powerful... You have Sumeragi being like, you have triggered my trap card. Yeah. So, like, even then it doesn't feel quite as, this is an all-powerful enemy. I think its real problem is that we then tack on the Mr. Bushido and Soma stuff, which feels so much more relevant, and yeah. it takes time from that. 
Let's see, what is my low point? I had a lot of honorable mention high points, which makes it hard to come up with a low point. There aren't a lot this episode, I feel. And I feel like all of the low points are in the back half. I think it's going to be the, yeah, I think it's going to be the sexual harassment bit because that seems out of character for Ian. I mean, maybe he's just trying to be like friendly. Hey, you look good in that. And it's taken wrong, but it seems really odd. There is also that scene where he's explicitly trying to get a peek around Setsuna of all the uh, women in (laughs) the swimsuits in the first season. I don't feel like it's out of character. I feel like the, the sexual harassment thing is that it's just... Obviously, he hasn't done this kind of thing before in front of his daughter. I'm out of practice. It's been, how old are you? 14 years. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an MVP, Tyler? I think it's got to be Sumeragi. Zach? Mom. Yeah, I think it's unanimous. That's kind of two big Sumeragi episodes in a row, but they're quite good. Well, now that she actually gets to do the Magnificent Bastard planning moments, I'm all about those kind of like these plans within plans type of thing. It's one of the reasons why I love Code Geass so much. All right. I think we have to put the trial bite on our mobile suit list. Since it exploded this episode? Yeah. Uh, before we do, I want to ask the question. I don't think we'll put it on this week either way. But do we think Graham Acres' custom head is unique enough to have its own spot? I feel like uh, we'll have to is... see. Uh, we'll have to see if it does anything additional to the like standard heads. But if it doesn't do anything different to them, and if it's just looking a little bit different, I don't think it goes on in a different fashion. The same way the XU repair didn't go on in a different slot from the Xia. It has a laser katana. It does have a laser katana and a stupid samurai helmet. All right. It's not as good as the Zomzaza. It ain't no Zomzaza, boy. No. I would put it below the Sky Grasper. I think I agree. I would agree with that. Cool Jet is better than Crab Thingy. Definitely not as imposing as the Stroy Gundam. No. I like it more than I like the Alvator's mobile suit or mobile armor form. Hmm. I think I agree. The golden soup terrain. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree. I like it more than the Core Splendor, I think. I'm trying to remember what the Core Splendor even looks like. A jet. <laughs> Fair. I think I do, too. I think I might get more than the Usalid, which is Neo Roanoke's funnel machine. <laughs> Neo Roanoke's funnel machine. <laughs> I'd play it's that arcade like game. Mobius Zero type of thing? Yeah. I think I like the I like the Euclid more. So, Tyler? Um, I'm trying to remember what the hell that thing even looks like. Very it looks sleek. like a very sleek Mobius Zero. Okay. It's kind of purple. Given that I can't remember it very well, I'm inclined towards a trollobite just because it's a very unique design, even if it's kind of a dumb one. Gotcha. Who honestly would want to buy this as a toy? Uh, yeah, I can't imagine it's the top of anyone's list, right? Unless you have a goal of like buying all the un- all the aquatic mobile armors slash mobile suits. I'm sure there's someone out there who's made that their thing. That is a good point. So they've got like the Cancer and the Pisces and... I don't think it's as cool as the Moma Kapool. I mean, well, you know my thoughts on that. I do hate the Momo Kapool. <laughs> but is it a truly worse design? Or do you just hate what it represents? I don't think it's truly the worst. I think the Trilobite is the more boring design, at the very least. Probably not as good as a Baku. Just a regular-ass Baku? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the I would say so. I like yeah. the Baku well enough. I don't like it as much as the flag. The flag does have a fairly distinctive design. I think I would agree. Yeah, the flag's pretty dumb, but I also like it. Also, Graham elevates it a lot. I don't think I like it as much as the Enact, either. The Enact has a really stupid head, though. (laughs) It's true. But I like that more than the Trilobite's no head. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. Do we like it more than the Ahead? I don't think so. No, I like the Ahead more. Yeah. I think I do like it more than the Taros, though. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I actually don't think I do. Well, you are out. But I'm outvoted anyway. I just don't like the Tauros. <laughs> so the tri- I hadn't noticed. So the Trilobite will go at number 94 above the Tauros and below the Ahead. 
So how many of these do you think it'll take before the Taros ends up on, in the hundreds? Uh, I'm going to go with six more rankings. This seems about right. Anything else we want to say about this episode? Any final thoughts? No? no. I don't have anything else. Yeah, this is a pretty good episode. Um, I think I agree. It's it's not the strongest one so far, but it's not bad. All right, then. It's again, then we'll return in Homeland Burning. Are you two like lovers? That is not, not so. 